This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk on a uh, Wednesday night. Phil Cornblute, Pat Daniel here in Columbia. And Chris Bergen from the HTC Center down at Coastal Carolina. They got ball tonight against Southern Miss. But what about those Gamecocks last night? Holy smokes. What a game. I mean, just from the standpoint of an exciting college basketball game. I know it didn't go right down to the wire. But the way South Carolina played was fantastic. I mean, just simply, I mean, I love good basketball. I love good basketball to me is the ball moves, you make the extra pass, you hit a shot. You don't always hit a shot, but you get a good look. And you make that extra pass. And then defensively, you take the other team out of whatever it is they're trying to do. You just... You just you just take their pants off, basically. You're you're on them so tight that they just they can't move. And South Carolina just did that at the highest level uh, last night. Uh, twenty assists for their twenty some odd baskets. That's two games in a row. They had twenty assists against Arkansas. They had twenty assists against Kentucky. That is ball sharing. That's ball moving. That's making the extra pass. That's looking for the better shot, and their bench was tremendous. And, of course, defensively, they've been really, really good all season long, and now they are just showing off with what they did against Arkansas and what they did last night. That was that was ridiculous. They held Kentucky 30 points under their per-game average. So hats off to Lamont Paris and South Carolina for a significant – and, Chris, I think you're right. We were talking about it last night, and I said, well, this would be the – the cherry on top to win, but Missouri Saturday is maybe even more important because of what that game is. But now that they've won it, you'd have to say this a landmark victory for South Carolina in their basketball history and certainly for Lamont Paris, his first ever victory over a top 25 team. It's his signature win thus far, even though he dominates Kentucky. He's beaten them both times. He's faced them as head coach of the Gamecocks. But, Phil, you're right. And I loved what Lamont Paris said after the game last night about how he coaches his basketball team. And Gamecock fans, if you can't get behind him and this team, I don't know what you're waiting on because they play the game the right way. He said, I'll let my guys pretty much free flow. I don't call a whole lot of offensive plays. They go out and just hoop on the offensive end. But when they get on defense, I demand basically perfection from his team. And he said every time out last night during the game, they never discussed offense during that contest. They talked only about defense. And you see that paying huge dividends. I mean, to, to just handcuff Kentucky. And even the shots they made, for the most part, were highly contested shots. I mean, South Carolina was ready to go from the get last night. I'm sure the crowd helped a lot. Big environment last night. And South Carolina came to play and looked like a better team than Kentucky. Now, long term, are they going to be better than Kentucky? Who knows? Probably not. 
but whether it looked last night, they're the eight plus across the board. They play great on offense. It's amazing how good you look when you make shots, and they certainly did from three-point range. But I was more impressed with what they did defensively and also on the glass last night going up against a taller Kentucky team, and they just took it right to them. And John Calipari's statement after the ball game about they just could not match the physicality of South Carolina and that the Gamecocks are the best defensive team in the SEC, I, I thought was eye-popping. Yeah, it really was. So congratulations to them on a terrific win. And... I mean, 16 wins, 16 and three at this point for South Carolina, four and two in the SEC. And uh, they just con- continue to befuddle the experts. And I know Lamont Paris is probably uh, using for motivation that preseason vote at SEC basketball media days when they were voted last in the SEC. His response was, How could you vote us last? Because you voted us last last year. And we didn't finish last, and we're better than we were last year. We're older, more mature, better overall players. How can you vote us last? And he's proving himself to be uh, right on that right now. So big, big night, sold-out crowd. Um, fans were were into it. Of course, the storming of the court cost the Gamecocks 100000 from the SEC's revised policy now. First-time offense under the revised policy for South Carolina, so it's only going to cost them a hundred thousand. Of course, people. I love Chris and Pat. People who say, "Yeah, what's the big deal?" Well, it's, it's not a big deal if you're not the one paying it. Uh, I wouldn't want to be the one having to write that check for a hundred thousand. I agree. But when you have somebody from the president's office at USC tweeting out, "It's the best hundred thousand dollars they've ever spent," I, you understand that mentality, Phil. It's not working. If the NCAA wants to get serious about this nonsense and stop it, I've got the solution. The fines don't work because the fans don't get – they're not penalized for being in a place they have no business being. You want to stop it, and I mentioned this last night. I'll reiterate it here. You take away the win. Ew. Yeah, that, you would Ew. only have to do that one time. Ew. Because if you want if you want this nonsense to stop, that's the only way you do All it. Right. You hurt them where it matters. I, you take away the win. So imagine last night they stormed the floor, and then afterwards – Kentucky is credited with the victory. It hurts USC in the net rankings, bowl bowl opportunity. Let's say you beat Clemson and you storm the field. Well, that eighth win just turned into a seventh win. Maybe you don't go to as nice a bowl game. You'd only have to do that. It's like the death penalty. You only have to hand it out once or twice across the country, and that would send the message, and it would stop this nonsense. It's the only way you can do it. Yeah, I'm calling for a statewide boo of Chris Bergen. No Everybody fun police. On, no fun police. On no, three. It has nothing to do with no fun police. It's on, dangerous. On three. All right, what are we going to do? We're going to get to a point where some player is going to get hurt, almost like Caitlin Clark did over the weekend, and then what's going to happen? Then we're going to retroactively look back and say, you know, we probably should have done something to stop this craziness, but instead we're like NASCAR. We wait until something horrible happens, and then we make safety improvements. Across Go the ahead state, and stop it now. On three... On three, everybody boo Chris. One, two, three. Boo. Boo. I'm not wrong, guys. What a Debbie Downer. What a Debbie Downer you are. Um, The comments were not kind to Phil last night either. When Phil posted on Twitter about it right after the game, I saw Yeah. But what about this? Okay, Chris, what about this? Okay, how do you define storming the court? Let's just say, for example, you got that rule in place. Um, Now, there were a lot of Kentucky fans there last night. What if after that loss, with that rule in place, the Gamecock fans stayed in the stands, but the Kentucky fans stormed the court 
and celebrated a loss, would they force the Gamecocks to... to, to <laughs> Don't you think they, you could apply some common sense there? I mean, if blue well, fans are on the court, they could change you could their shirts. Out. They could take it's off the their shirts. Team. Take off their shirts. You can't identify them by their jersey. And they stormed the court. You, and You can put some common sense to what we saw last night. And last night should not happen. Stay yeah. in the seats and celebrate in the seats. You can still have fun at the ball game. I read an article yesterday, Michael DeCourcy wrote, about you go to Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas, they never stormed the floor. Is that a terrible environment for basketball? No. At the Fog? It's one of the greatest environments, period. They don't storm the court at Durham. And, heck, why aren't Gamecock fans storming the floor after well, getting Kentucky? Well, now, listen. Wait That's minute. their fourth straight win at home against Kentucky. You're talking about the Blue Bloods, who are always ranked in the top five. So, them beating somebody, they they seldom beat anybody at their own place that's ranked higher than they are. It happens from time to time, but they're so right. used to it, it's not a big deal. Well, I mean, Gamecock I think fans should be used to beating Duke, Kentucky at home. They Duke, do it all the time. Duke has... Duke has stormed the court when they beat North Carolina. I've seen their fans storm the floor there in Durham when they beat North Carolina. You can stop that nonsense with one. All you'd have to do is hand it out one time. Maybe, maybe across the country. Maybe the coastal fan who'll be at tonight's basketball game will storm the court (laughs) if y'all beat Southern Miss in this first ever matchup with Southern Miss. The the one coastal fan there will will jump on the court. How about that though? Speaking of this game, Southern Miss. This is their second year in the Sun Belt. And it's the first time they have ever faced Coastal in basketball. You want to talk about how conference expansion has gotten out of hand. We're in the same league with these guys and have never seen them before. And they've only played in football one time. And this is the reigning regular season champions. They won the league last year and then did not win the conference tournament. So they ended up in the NIT. But they won 25 games last year. And they're right now tied for second of the conference. So pretty good basketball team rolling in here to Club HTC tonight. Promotion they're going to be handing out to glow sticks and playing all kind of club disco type music during the ball games at night. So it might be interesting they, to see how they're going to have any poles on the court. Ah, uh, gosh, I hope not. You have to be in Myrtle Beach to get that. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, yeah. but I just didn't want to say it. Yeah, I can say it. Uh, by the way, South Carolina now 48 in the net. They moved up 14 spots after their win last night, and Clemson is 32 as the Tigers prepare to take on Duke in Durham on Saturday in their own version of uh, a big, big game for them. Uh, Duke winning last night at Louisville. Also tonight, got a lot of stuff going on. We're going to have some post game for you from the basketball game. Clemson gets a impressive uh, commitment today from a national recruit, Ari Watford, a defensive end out of Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, very well some call him the number one uh, edge rusher in the country and he committed to Clemson today and nobody saw that one coming there was no predictions that I saw nobody was saying it was happening today he just he just did it he's visiting Clemson this weekend so that's big pickup for Clemson at least based on his credentials in high school Tigers eighth commitment in the 2005 class I'm sorry 2025 class as Dabo Sweeney continues to uh, do things his way, recruit his way. And it's a good-looking class for 2025 that he is piecing together. USC baseball coach Mark Kingston met with the media today to preview the start of preseason practice on Friday. And he's feeling very confident about this Gamecock baseball team, and well he should, a team that went to Florida in a Super Regional last season. Their goal, of course, not only to host a regional, but he also realizes 
you can get to Omaha by going somewhere else, but the numbers say to get to Omaha, you have to have a super regional at your place as well. The numbers are just overwhelming. So their goal is to be good enough, as they were at one point last year before they went down with some injuries, but to not only host a regional, but to host a super regional to give them that extra that that extra advantage in trying to get to, to Omaha for the first time as he goes into year number seven. It's a team that's got a lot of good hitters returning. They lost some good pitching, but they feel like they've got uh, good pitchers returning and they've added to their staff through uh, high school and uh, portal recruiting. So we'll hear some from him. Uh, And Coach John Combs tonight, hooping and hollering, 705. And Corey Diaz, who covers the uh, LSU women's basketball team, he covers a lot of things in Louisiana. He used to be here in um, Columbia working for the Greenville News covering the Gamecocks. Now he's in Louisiana. And he is around Baton Rouge. He's been there today for the press conference. Of course, they've got the college game day is going to be there tomorrow for the uh, Gamecocks and the Tigers. So he'll join us at 730 to fill us in on what things look like down in the bayou and his thoughts on this matchup between the Gamecocks and LSU. Uh, I don't know. I think that uh, I'm going to go with the Gamecocks here, Chris and Pat, to win this thing on the road. Uh, keep it going big for them. I think they are better than LSU in many, many ways. And I think that they are going to play with a, a real uh, attitude tomorrow night to match whatever attitude uh, Kim Mulkey and her team uh, bring to the court uh, tomorrow night in a hostile environment. Sold out place down there at the Pete Maravich Center. Should be a heck of a crowd and a heck of a setting for women's basketball. Oh, I think so, too, and it's a uh, showcase for the women's game, but South Carolina's won, if I'm not mistaken, 14 in a row over LSU, and I agree with you, Phil. I just think they're the better team. If this game were in Columbia, I think they probably win by 15 or 20. I still think they push double digits because I don't know that LSU is going to be able to score enough, and if they turn the basketball over, Carolina's going to make them pay in transition. LSU has not, I don't think, can handle the up-tempo style that the Gamecocks can play with, and then how do you defend them? All right, Angel Reese would try and do her best in the post against USC's post players. That's fine. Then what are they going to do with Pow Pow and, you know, all the uh, shooters that USC has on the perimeter? It's a different team that dominated LSU last year in Columbia, but I think it may be a more complete team and a better team than what they faced last year in Columbia. And I, I just don't think LSU is talented enough across the board to stay with the Gamecocks for four quarters. It will be, I, I think LSU probably jumps out to an early lead because of the crowd, but I don't know that the Gamecocks are going to be phased by playing in front of a big crowd. That's not an unusual environment for them. They won't be cheering for them, but they're used to playing in front of a big crowd. I think as the game wears along, USC's depth, its interior play, the transition game, and its outside shooting are going to be too much for the uh, Tigers to deal with. All right, uh, the ACC today finally wrapped up the process of revealing the football schedules for 2024. So Clemson now knows the dates where they will play their games. They had the teams and they had the sites previously. So, of course, August 31st in Atlanta against Georgia. At home, September 7th against Appalachian State. Then they're off on September 14th. September 21st, home to NC State. September 28th, home to Stanford. wonder if Stanford will bring their band. That's why I'd like to see their band in person. October the 5th at Florida State. October the 12th at Wake Forest. Back home October 19th 
for Virginia. They are off October 26th. Back home November 2nd against Louisville. On the road on November 9th against Virginia Tech. On the road November 16th at Pittsburgh. Home November 23rd against the Citadel. And home November 30th against South Carolina. So really, you're a Clemson fan, you're looking at this. You got the short trip to Atlanta. Then you've got only four other road trips. You go to Tallahassee, you go to Winston, you go to Blacksburg, and you go to Pittsburgh. Um, Very easy travel schedule for Clemson next year. I would say this. I mean, you can fly to Pittsburgh, but you can also drive Pittsburgh without killing yourself. I guess it's maybe, what, eight hours to Pittsburgh, seven and a half? About the same. Well, Florida State, I can make Tallahassee from here in six and a half, maybe seven, six and a half if I push it. But I consider that to be a pretty light travel schedule for Clemson next year. So road games away from home, Georgia, Florida State, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. And then home with Appalachian, NC State, Stanford, Virginia, Louisville, Citadel, South Carolina. So how taxing is this schedule, Chris? Obviously, Georgia, number one team in the country, likely going in next season. Again, if not number one, way up at the very top. In Atlanta, so-called neutral site, and I sure, I'm sure Tiger fans will buy up their full share of tickets, and it will be kind of a as close to a neutral site setting as you can can have, and a chance for Klubnik to build on what he did in the fourth quarter of the Gator Bowl, and really establish himself as a winning quarterback at Clemson, facing a now veteran quarterback at Georgia, and all the other veteran players returning at Georgia and their excellent recruiting. Tough stop, a tough start for Clemson oh, if they're no thinking about getting back into the national limelight. I don't think you could have ordered a more difficult season opener if you're Dabo Sweeney because you're also catching a, a Georgia team that clearly was upset about being left out of the college football playoff and took their frustrations out on Florida State in the Orange Bowl. And I would imagine that's going to fuel them during the offseason getting ready for the uh, Tigers to open up the year. That's a fascinating game, to say the least, and we'll spend probably months previewing that going forward but the one that's got to be circled on the calendar is that florida state road trip and dju back in town in tallahassee this time on the other sideline and how excited do you think he's going to be to be able to go up against his former team assuming he is the uh, starter for the anoles when that game rolls around absolutely and chris while we've still got you just looking at this schedule the september schedule alone for clemson it reminds me a lot of south carolina's schedule this past year where it was pretty heavily front loaded a very very difficult september would love to hear your thoughts on Appalachian State because that almost seems like a bit of a trap game like we hear so often after a team plays a Georgia or an Alabama. They're kind of beat up and they're very susceptible the week after, almost like a hangover. Could Clemson have a hangover effect and get snake bit by Appalachian State in that home opener on September 7th? I mean, it's, it's entirely possible and how they come out of that Georgia game in terms of injuries I think will play a big role in that. Clemson on paper is better than Appalachian App's actually going in reverse a little bit. They, they're coming off, a, I guess, a fairly successful year for most teams at the group of five level, not for Appalachian State standards. They did make the uh, Sunbelt Conference title game, but lost that and then won their bowl game. matter of fact, when we were up there Saturday, they honored the uh, bowl team uh, for Appalachian. So, I mean, they've got pieces to the puzzle. I just don't think they have enough to really throw a scare into Clemson, assuming the Tigers come out of the Georgia game uh, pretty healthy. Uh, just so you'll know, <clears throat> on our message board, 
on our uh, video feed, Mark and Charger Ron, they both boo you as well. So you've been heavily booed across the state. I'm not wrong on this, but mm. that's fine if okay. you want to disagree. All right. I mean, I've, I've, got, no, I've got thick skin. I, mm-hmm. I'm right on this. And that's the only, uh, from a standpoint of if you want to stop it, if you don't want to stop it, which the NCAA clearly doesn't, they pay lip service to it and this fines, which don't work. So if you don't want to stop it, that's fine. Then drop the fines, too, because they don't work. So if you're going to actually try and do a way to get rid of court storming, field storming, and the like, that's the only way to do it. Hmm. Take away the wind from the team. So with that that's fine, the only way it'll stop. with that fine, I'm curious, is that not fan paid? Because is that money not come out of the same coffer where it's donations from fans or ticket sales or things like that? I think of it almost like when a new road is built, the state uses taxpayer money, so ultimately it is money coming from the citizens. Would the same not same logic not apply here with those fines? I'm sure it comes out of the general athletic budget, okay. which comes from you know fans buying tickets and right. TV dollars and concessions, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that they put aside money for uh, discretionary Identity. spending, and uh, you know this would fall into that category. I would say. Let's go to the phones before we lose you, Chris. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Hank in Columbia, first up with us tonight. Hank, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Hey, Corn. Uh, just uh, uh, on Chris's statement, hey, I'm going to go ahead and go with the boo also. And, yeah. And one thing, <laughs> and one thing I'll say did about Did you storm that, the court you know, last night, Hank? Were you a stormer? No, I was at the game, but I did not storm the court. Yeah, no, no, that's that's for the young kids. Mm. <laughs> you got out there, you might get trampled. But uh, I will say, you know, a lot of people have pointed to the Caitlin Clark thing, but with the Caitlin Clark thing, that that's also come out is that there was security that was escorting Iowa off the floor, and for whatever reason, Clark decided to take off and run ahead of her team and ran into the person that she 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 hit. Um, and, that, and that's that's been verified and come out from kind of both sides. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and last night, which you if you notice, if you didn't notice it watching the TV, uh, Kentucky had cleared the court before they really released those yellow ropes for all those kids to run on there. You know, Cal had gone ahead and sent his team off, but they even let the rest of them that were on the bench that got off got up and went out. They had cleared before they released that rope. And so the coaches had their normal handshake. Mm-hmm. I know you were there, Corn, so you probably saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why I say boo on it. I think it's just, you know, it, you know, you know, there are certain those certain moments are what makes it. But um, Corn, I, I just I was calling you just to tease you just a little bit. You remember back and you said, remember when South, we'll see what South Carolina made of when they hit uh, athletes in the in the SEC teams and the players of that ilk, and we said we would bookmark it. Well, I bookmarked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, hey, listen, they impressed the heck out of me last night. Uh, I tell you who really impressed me. I mean, they they pretty much all did, but uh, the the three point shot by Zachary Davis right before half was huge at that buzzer. I, I noted to somebody when he hit that shot, the building shook. The building literally <laughs> shook where I was sitting in the press area. A very unique feeling to kind of feel the building, the inside kind of shake, but. I thought Cooper was obviously fantastic. His ball handling, his shooting, his uh, leadership on the floor. And, I mean, they were able to hang in there with Michi Johnson and B.J. Mack not having uh, big offensive performances in the first half. 
they came back in the second half. Mac, I think, had about eight points, and I think Johnson had ten in the second half. So they were they were able to build a lead and hang in there while those guys were still trying to find their game. Yeah, and I, I think what was most impressive, I think, is they get a hat to Paris. You know, everybody talked about this great pro and the big seven-footer that was coming from Kentucky and how he looked against Georgia. And every time he got in the game, Paris put uh, Gray in the game and had Gray go at him. And he he completely just, you know, could not handle the physicalness inside. And so for Paris to see that and to exploit that when nobody would have thought Josh Gray had even gotten the game. Ooh. I thought that was a good piece of coaching. And then the out-of-bounds plays were just excellent. Oh, yeah. They scored a lot off the out-of-bounds plays. That's a sign of excellent coaching. Josh Gray was another one who deserves kudos for playing really, really well. Thank you, Hank. And, Chris, we'll let you go. Call your game tonight. Look out for the fans storming the court now. We don't want anything to happen. (laughs) I hope we're in a situation that could actually occur. Y'all enjoy. All right. See you. Back in a moment. All right, welcome back. It is Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Folkhorn Blutes, Pat Daniel. Now, Chris Bergen's gone off to call that Coastal Southern Miss game. Other basketball tonight. You got LSU at Georgia. You got NC State at Virginia. Miami at Notre Dame. High Point at Upstate. Winthrop at Charleston Southern. Chattanooga at Wofford. Samford at Furman. That's big in the SOCON. Samford 6 0. Furman 4-2 in the SOCON. Mercer at the Citadel. Auburn at Alabama. Mississippi State at Florida. Arkansas at Ole Miss. There you go with the games that we really, really care about. Uh, Let me mention a couple of other things. We'll get back to your phone calls. 888-898-2525, the number. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you. High School League today. Put out the regions. Not going to give them all to you. You can look it up yourself at the high school league website. But a couple of regions I did want to mention because of some of these significant moves with the new multiplier coming into play. So in 4A, you got Gray Collegiate in Region 4, 4A. They'll be in there with Aiken, Airport, Brooklyn Casey, Gilbert, Midland Valley, North Augusta, and South Aiken. So that is where Gray Collegiate resides. Of course, now there can be appeals to these regions, so not everything is set in stone yet. But that is where Gray Collegiate is going to be. And so BC's really been good. Gilbert's really good. Midland Valley was good. North Augusta's usually pretty good. Um, South Aiken can be good. Aiken has struggled. Airport struggled. So we'll see how they handle all that. <clears throat> then you go to the 3A ranks, and you got Oceanside Collegiate in Region 6. It's another one where the multiplier has moved them up. They're in there with Battery Creek, Hanahan, North Charleston, and Orangeburg-Wilkinson. So, you know, they might be able to handle that without too much trouble. 
And then you've got Christ Church and St. Joseph's and Southside Christian <clears throat> in 3A in Region 2. You got Carolina, Christ Church, Palmetto, Powdersville, Southside Christian, and St. Joseph's. So roughly half that region is made up of of private schools, Christ Church, St. Southside Christian, and, and St. Joseph's. You got Carolina, Palmetto, and Powdersville. Of those three, Powdersville has been very good. So for those other three, the newcomers, they might be able to handle 3A in that region. Just wanted to point those out. Again, the high school leagues got them up on their website. There will be appeals coming, and uh, things can still change before uh, everything is set. And let's see, what else did I want to mention to you? Um, I think I think that, uh, oh, the North Carolina Lottery Commission voted today to allow mobile sports betting in North Carolina. It'll start at noon on March the 11th. You'll be able to start creating betting accounts in North Carolina starting March 1. Oh, by the way, the ACC men's basketball tournament begins on March the 12th. <laughs> Smart thinking. So one day before the tournament begins in North Carolina, you'll be able to bet on your mobile apparatus there in the state of North Carolina. And North Greenville is ranked number two and Newberry number 12 in the NCBWA, Baseball Writer Association, uh, preseason ranking for D2. So North Greenville is two. And Newberry is number 12. Okay, phone number, 888-898-2525. Let's go to Gamecock Larry. Boy, he called it, didn't he? Gamecock Larry, you are a soothsayer. You are a man who can see the future. You have powers that the rest of us just don't have. You called it. You might have been the only person in America to say, kick him in the knee and hit the three, and daggummit, that's what they did. That's what they got. That's what they got. But I'm feeling good. And when I call in Monday now, let me get this straight, Mr. Phil. Mm. When I call in Monday, well, now let's say one down and three to go. When I call in Monday for the weekend, we'll be four and oh. We got three more to go. We going we going well. I don't. I, I'm not gonna say we going we gonna beat them quite as bad. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and I'm gonna tell you something right now. I want to say something, to Coach Tim Monkey. Coach Tim, I'm gonna tell you. I, I no, I ain't gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I ain't gonna even talk about you. you ain't, Lord, you, 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 you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Grown lady, grown woman ain't like that. Mm. That's okay. But did just did I tell you they go? They go shoot them three. Mm. Man, I'm gonna tell you, what man. And I still don't understand how, how that little old team up there in the Clemson, mm. I don't understand how they beat the Gamecocks. You didn't, well, I'm saying you because you are 
the boss of the Clemson Tigers. He's saying that. No Tigers. And I know you are. Yes, I can hear you. I can hear it in your voice. Tiger but rank. I'm tell you something. <laughs> Do what? You try to throw me off. I know, but we gave that game to you all. We gave it to you. And I don't know what happened to Georgia. Again, same old thing. Mm. We gave it to them. We could be 18 and 1. Ooh. Ooh. But I feel good. I ain't going to talk no more. I'm just, just going to let you know I'm, I'm still here. And I'm hoping I can come on. I'll call you Friday night. Friday night after we wipe the floor tomorrow night with Kim Mulker's flashy. So, so what do you want to call that thing? See, well, we ain't going to take, we just going to take the top. Ah, man, you better shut up. I'm getting off here. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all. <laughs> you're all. You're all excited. You're all tongue tied. I get it. I get it. We're going to talk to you later in the week. Thank you, Gamecock Larry. But you, listen. I give credit where credit is due. You stood out there on that limb and you said the Gamecocks are going to take it to Kentucky, and they did last night. They got off to a slow start, one for their first six, but then once they kind of settled in, now they were tight early. You know, the crowd was buzzing and. All the hype and, gosh, all the A1, what would you call them? What do they call them in Los Angeles? A-listers? All the A-listers of Columbia were there, like mm-hmm. Shane Beamer uh, and Little Beamer and uh, Aaliyah Boston and Don Staley and uh, who else are A-listers in Columbia? I don't know, but I love seeing the support of the other programs out there. I mean, seeing seeing coaches and players from all the different major sports at the university, mm. seeing Coach Staley out there uh, representing as well and supporting Coach Paris, that's, that's really cool to see, and it's nice when you see such things. I don't know who else in terms of A-listers. I'm, I'm curious if maybe Mayor Rickman or anybody else was out there. Mm. But um, either way, it was quite a sight. And for, for Coach Calipari after the game of Kentucky – to say that this was the best defense in the SEC. And we've heard now for two years from Coach Paris that his bread and butter is defense. And that he thought that that would be the thing that would take the longest for his team to learn is how to play his style of defense and do it efficiently. Mm. And I think we're starting to see all that hard work pay off. And last night, hearing Coach Calipari call him without hesitation the best defense in the in the conference, and we know the SEC, the history of it is kind of a rough and tough defensive-minded conference, maybe not quite as explosive offensively as some other conferences. It's more more tough and in the, in the lane. And for him to say that about the Gamecocks is, is quite, quite a statement. Yeah. Very high praise. Very high praise. So I sat at the very top of press row, which is reserved for NBA scouts, sitting to my right, I mean, like right next to me, former Gamecock coach George Felton. Working for the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, as that's a an A-lister. Yeah, I felt kind of bad. I mean, of course, he was working, so he wasn't there. But, I mean, when a former coach is there, you know, he should be sitting down behind yeah. the bench. They should be treated differently. But then Agreed. again, he's wearing a different cap. He's he's working, and he probably doesn't care. Uh, I, I'm speaking out loud here. I don't know what he thinks. but uh, uh, And to my left was a scout from the Knicks who I started talking to, a very nice gentleman, young guy played Division three basketball, and turns out he is related 
to the George Hallis family. He's in the George Hallis family. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. We started talking about that and the Bears and all that. And and talking about the Knicks, of course, I told him I'm a a Celtics guy, and (coughs) he knows we're good. Uh, Breaking news here, according to to, uh, Jordan Schultz, who is with Bleacher Report, the Chargers are hiring Jim Harbaugh as their new head coach, sources are saying. He returns to the NFL to coach the same franchise he retired with as a player back in 2000. So, where does Michigan go? What does Michigan do? And does this start an entire new round of carousel head coaching movements? Do they go and pluck a head coach from somewhere who then, that school has to go pluck a head coach, so on and so forth. So, keep an eye on this. Harbaugh headed to the NFL once again. The happiest person in the country might be Ohio State head coach Ryan Day with that news because he's had a he's had an awful time beating Michigan since Harbaugh has really broken through the last few years. In reading articles earlier, we were discussing off-air. Uh, CBS, it was this Dennis Dodd was reporting about half an hour ago that one of the, the big hang-up here with the Chargers was that Jim Harbaugh was asking for complete control. Hmm. Now, we didn't see exactly what that means, but we're both under the assumption that means some kind of GM control as well which we have not seen be successful that many times in pro in pro football we were trying to think of times that it has worked most recently bill belichick for a number of years it has not gone so well the last what three four five years but before that so curious to see if this does mean that he will also be the gm or have some kind of management role there too didn't jacksonville give urban meyer the same kind of authority when they hired him i think you're right and it was a disaster but we'll see we'll see hardball Going to San Diego, I'm sorry, going to the Chargers. Used to be San Diego, going to the L.A. Chargers. Let's go back to the phones, 888-898-2525. Before the break, Keith and Camden, welcome into Sports Talk, Wednesday edition. How are you, sir? I'm doing I'm doing great. Hope, hope you and Pat are, too. Yep. Um, just a quick comment. I think uh, you and I, looking at the basketball, were pretty much on the same wavelength. Uh Kind of, you know, let's wait and see. Uh, I think last night, <laughs> I, I must admit, I was impressed. I think that checked the box. But uh, my question, the gentleman that called, I think his name is Hans, uh, speaking of sellers, uh, night four last, yes, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him twice in high school his senior year. Unbelievable. I mean, he's the guy for the job, but the question is staying healthy, and there's a learning curve. But my question to you is, I don't see anybody on that current roster that I feel real comfortable about. And looking at the profile of this guy coming in, uh, I don't know that I get that excited, but I don't know enough about him, and I wanted you to speak on that. What, what, What do we see in bringing this guy in other than the fact that he has some time under center and uh, appears to well, be a pretty decent runner, but beyond that, I don't know a whole lot. Yeah, Robbie Ashford, a guy that's an athlete at quarterback. He's not a great thrower. He is an excellent runner. Uh, he doesn't take the top off a of defense with his passing arm. I don't know how far down the wish list he was on their board for transfer quarterbacks. Did they go after some others? Obviously, they did go after some others because they had a commitment from one, A.J. Swan, who was a thrower, and then he flipped on them, went to LSU. 
Then they were going to have a, a visit from a quarterback from Louisiana, and then he committed elsewhere. I think he committed to Houston. He was a thrower and a runner, but he was a thrower too. So Ashford doesn't really, based on his history, doesn't really give you that that passing threat. And, of course, they have built their offense they, the last two years around a great thrower in Rattler. Sellers, from what we've seen, high school and a little bit in college, is an excellent passer and also a very good runner. But I'm sure that Dowell Loggins wants Sellers to be uh, a pocket passer first with the ability to scramble and and keep plays alive. And then if they break down, he can take off and do something with his legs. That kind of dimension, like a Jordan Love, like, uh, you know, not so much like um, – somebody who just is is a is a runner first i think they want him to be a a passer first uh so in in ashford's case i don't think he comes in with that with that reputation as as much of a passer so maybe they can improve him and maybe he can develop but that's sort of but he does give him somebody who's four years in college two years at oregon two years at auburn so he's been in big time football you know he's played in the sec started games in the sec uh, he he kind of gives them that veteran head and voice in in the locker room, and so does Luke Doty. Though Doty is wouldn't put him quite in that category as far as being a a, a starter at quarterback a lot. Um, so I, yeah, I just think yeah. maybe this was as they were going through the recruiting processes with everybody. Maybe this was the the best prospect they could land on. Yeah, like Phil. One last question. Mm. I was listening to Gamecock Larry. Did I? Did he say I'm going to hang from the rim? <laughs> I couldn't make out. Did what he... Gamecock Larry say he was going <laughs> to hang from the rim? Yeah, like yeah, I'm going to hang from the rim. I'd like to see that. <laughs> Me too. I'd like to I see that. Y- yes, sir. Y'all have a good night. All Thanks, right. Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a few more notes here. From our listeners online, uh, Eddie says that Bergie is determined. I will agree that will stop that will stop it taking a loss, but not sure about that. Uh, Stephen wants to know what's the percentage of the crowd uh, that Kentucky had. They probably had had um, very small percentage. It wasn't a big Kentucky crowd. Uh, maybe they had some behind me over there. I'm just trying to maybe a thousand Kentucky fans. Perhaps last night, not a not a huge number. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, oh, Charger Ron has uh, checked back in. Said uh, great hire for the Chargers. He hopes. Oh yeah, and Steven suggests uh, Connor Stallion mm-hmm. as yeah, the new funny. coach. <laughs> Hardy Har. All right, we got to hit the break on Sports Talk. We'll come back with more in a moment. 888-898-2525 is the number. Hey, don't forget you're looking for property along the beach. You're looking for a place to stay this spring or summer. Call James Smith at James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246, the number. Online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Let Jimmy and the staff find for you exactly what you're looking for at the price you need. 843-237-4246, your perfect beach getaway. Back in a moment. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach that number Because they know you're healthy 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible 605-7905 Seven to seven is the area code. Okay, state of the state tonight by the governor. He's talking about politics and economy and, you know, the ins and outs of living in South Carolina. I'll give you the state of sports in South Carolina. That's what we do here on Sports Talk. The state of the state of sports in South Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, as the president of sports of South Carolina, I declare that the state of the state of sports in South Carolina under my leadership is good. And there's no reason to vote me out of office. <laughs> I declare the state of the state of sports 
in our state has never been better than under my watch. Well, think about it. Right now, you've got South Carolina basketball between the men and the women, three losses. Incredible. Clemson men's basketball, you know, 33 in the net, having a great year, got a chance to get a big win Saturday down at at Duke. USC Clemson Coastal Baseball, all ranked. Newberry and North Greenville Baseball ranked. USC Men's Tennis just beat the number one team in the country. They're ranked in the top five. Uh, uh, Softball, uh, USC Clemson uh, Softball, both ranked. Uh, Clemson Gymnastics uh, having a great start. Selling out Little John Coliseum. And uh, I think they've got a couple of wins, and you know they're talking about you know big things in that program. Uh, football. Furman had a great year. Clemson had, by many standards, elsewhere a great year, but not by their standards. Still went and won a bowl game, won nine games. South Carolina, nah, not there, but not far off. Looking to bounce back with all these uh, Portal John arrivals. So yeah. I declare the state of the state of sports in South Carolina under my guidance and under my watch is going great. And there's no reason to assassinate me, impeach me, or not elect me for another 30 years. I love it. And a couple quick more notes to get in here before the end of the hour. It was announced the – where did I get loose now? So the Clemson, Clemson football is planning to hold its annual spring game at 1 p.m. on Saturday, April the 6th. I don't believe we had mentioned that yet. And also, the ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips has announced that the ACC kickoff, remember last year, went from two days to three days. Now it's all the way to four days this year. It'll be Monday through Thursday in July. Good God. Oh, and of course, Clemson soccer won a national championship. Sure did. And had the national player of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. And did we miss anybody else who uh, did really, really well to this point? I think not. Apologies if we did. Yeah. All right, going to hit the break here at the top of the hour. Hooping and hollering with John Combs is coming up and more. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Tell you what, it's a good time to be a basketball fan in the state of South Carolina, is it not? We got the college game going very, very hot in our state. We got the high school game going very, very hot as well. We're closing uh, closing in on the end of January, which means we're not too far from the beginning of the state tournaments that'll eat up most of February and take you right there to the to the edge of March. So good time for some hooping and some hollering right here on Sports Talk. Welcoming Coach John Combs, the AD at Spring Valley High in Columbia, former high school basketball coach himself, former member of a USC basketball coaching staff as well. So he knows the game inside and out. Coach, good to have you with us once again. How are you? Man, I am outstanding. It is a great time for uh, basketball here in the state of South Carolina. When a college team like South Carolina or Clemson or Furman or College of Charleston, any of them, 
when they go and, and knock off one of the big boys like the Gamecocks did last night, like maybe Clemson will do when they go to Durham, what does that do for the overall health of basketball in the state of South Carolina? Well, you know, I'll take it a step further, Phil. I mean, they did it with South Carolina guys leading the way last night. You know, Talon Cooper, I mean, scoring 20 points, the former Dorman out, uh, standout, and you had Jacoby Wright, uh, who had 14 points, four, six from three. It just, uh, it, you know, you saw it all over social media last night. People saying great things about the Gamecocks, the fans, the energy. You know, it, it, it does a lot. I mean, I remember back when I was a student manager under Coach Eddie Fogler in 97 when we played Kentucky on Tuesday night, ESPN. Dick Vitale was there before the game, and, you know, people just didn't think you were going to win, even though we were, we were playing well at the time. It just does a lot to energize the fan base, the players, and just the overall standing of basketball in South Carolina. So you were there. You've been a part of that. So you know, and you've been a coach as well. In a situation where you're like Mm -hmm. a South Carolina or you're like a Clemson going to Duke, what do you have to do as that big underdog to knock off one of these blue bloods and – make your own name for yourself and in the case of South Carolina obviously this was no accident they dominated this game for the most part they won going away so it wasn't like there was a freak shot or a tip in that won it for them I mean they went out and manhandled physically manhandled Kentucky well the first thing is Phil I promise you those players and coaches did not feel like underdogs going into that game they played a, a good schedule, played real well up to that point. They believed in their abilities. You know, it, you didn't see anybody. I mean, it's not, you know, Todd Cooper at 20 points played a really good game, but it wasn't like an out-of-his-mind game. Same thing with Michi Johnson. Same thing with B.J. Mack. Colin Murray Bowles helped out. Zachary Davis, Jacoby Wright. They just played really well. Mm-hmm. And they, they're not – it wasn't so different from what they did from uh, previous years. Coach Paris and his staff got them believing – uh, through what they did earlier in the season, all they had to do was, you know, just play well. Play. And, of course, I like Coach Paris, and what the, they've got a defensive identity about them. You know, they know they'll show up, play well defensively. And, you know, Kentucky struggled last night. And then, of course, for South Carolina, when you're making shots, that certainly helps. But first thing starts with belief. And, you know, they had every reason to believe they were going to go in there and win that game. And they did, and the place was rocking, and, uh, fans were into it, but here's the important thing while we're on this on this topic. I, they can't afford to take their eye off the target now and uh, relax. now. And I'm talking about not just those players and coaches. I'm sure they won't, but the university and the fan base, they put so much into this Kentucky game. They did so many things extra over the top to hype this game, et cetera. Well, this Missouri game is every bit as important as this Kentucky game. You lose this Missouri game at home, and you've wiped away all the good stuff that you gained by beating Kentucky. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I know this is coach speak, but your most important game of the season is the next one you play. Mm-hmm. And the fact that South Carolina won and beat Kentucky, you're right. It makes this next game now against Missouri that much more important. I mean, you've already beat them earlier in the year. Now you've got to, you've got to beat them again. Your RPI is uh, net rankings climbing. You know, you got to stack wins. Um, I've always, as a coach, and uh, Coach Fogler was talking about it, let's go 1-0 and now. That's what you got to do. you just got to focus on that next one. And because they won a big game, this game now against Missouri is just that much more important. The good side is, though, since you beat a team 
like Kentucky, who's high up in the net. You've got some clout with it. You've got a you've got a little more wiggle room now. Now you don't want to look at it like that, mm-hmm. but the fact that you've got a good solid win under your belt, you don't feel like you you've got no room for error. But the coaching staff is going to play it like you don't have any room for error. We got to go out there and play great and win on Saturday. Yeah, and the fans need to fill the place, and they need to be intense and as supportive as they were the other night. Let's talk about high schools. We got the uh, new rankings that came out yesterday and boy last night lexington cam scott he put on a show how good is that kid cam scott is he 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 is good as advertised right now i mean he is playing extremely well i think they're on a they are on a mission i'm sure they felt like last year they were going to win a state championship they didn't even get to didn't get there so right now they are playing well together cam scott is you know I think some people in the past, in the distant past, it might have been critical. Some nights Cam wasn't great. Cam, Cam Scott has been fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, last night he was outstanding. I mean, that dunk he had was fantastic and scored in as many points as he did. And he's been doing this now since he was, a, I want to say, an eighth grader. I mean, he was all state as an eighth grader at a 5A school. That's incredible. Let me ask you, I'm going to test your knowledge now around the state, but I'm not going to ask you to – to pinpoint any particular things, but in, in scanning the rankings, I'm down here in 1A Girls, and I see Military Magnet, number one in 1A Girls. You know much about them? What has Military Magnet got going on in girls' basketball that's made them one number one in 1A this week? Well, you know, they've won multiple state championships. They've got a culture. Their, their coach's name escapes me right now. He does a phenomenal job with them. You know, anytime we do summer events, he's always bringing his girls to those different types of things. And, you know, you, you could just tell just certain people, they continuously got a culture of developing basketball players and developing a program. And he's done a really good job there. So that is no fluke uh, whatsoever that, that he, he does that. I mean, he's got good players. I don't think he's got a a player that's like a high division one caliber player, Mm -hmm. but he's got a bunch of really good players and he develops a program. This isn't just a one-off. He's done this for many years in a row now. Looking at two a boys, you got gray collegiate one and Oceanside collegiate two. Are we looking at uh, one of these matches again for a championship involving uh, the two charter schools there in two a you think can they, can they get through everybody to get to one another in the state championship? Well, I certainly wouldn't bet against either one of those, but I, I watch Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson, Coach Danny Wright, and Andrew Jackson does a great job with his team, and mm-hmm. you know they've been they've been battling. You know, once you get to the playoffs, it's just a one game scenario. But you know, Oceanside and Great Collegiate certainly have to be the favorite two A boys for sure. Yeah, of course. Next year, uh, Gray is going to be in four uh, A, and Oceanside is going to be in three A. So. Stepping up in class there a little bit. Uh, anything else around the rankings this week? The top ten for boys and girls, different classes. Anything else there surprise you? Anybody uh, jump up uh, in the rankings that was not there previously, or, or move down? Anything catch your eye? Well, I mean, this might be a little self-serving, but you give Westwood High School credit. The boys last week mm-hmm. got a big win over Ridgeview, who was nationally ranked at the time. Now Westwood is number one in four A, and Ridgeview's at number two. Uh, both in the same region. Mm. I mean that that's that was real big for a, for a Ridgeview team that was earned a right to be at the time I think seventh in the nation. 
Uh, Westwood went in and won at Ridgeview, so give them a lot of credit with that. And there's just, um, you know, it, we're halfway point now through region play for most regions. So Friday night for a lot of people starts the second turn going through the regions. And, you know, this is, um, you know, there's a lot of shuffling, a lot of playoff seedings to be earned here in the next couple of weeks. When are we ready to kick off the, I shouldn't use a football term there, when are we ready to tip <laughs> off the, uh, the tournaments? Uh, is that what, like what, first, second week of February? February 13th on a Tuesday night is the first round for a lot of people. The first round is February 13th, and those lucky people who get it on Valentine's Day, some mm. of that's the first round, too, on February 14th. But it is, So it's just right, right around the corner. How do you and how do the coaches feel about what the uh, high school league is doing this year with um, everything going to be at the, the Florence Center, right? We're going to have all the state championships at the, at the Florence Center, correct? Yep, the Florence Civic Center. I mean, we we start that. I want to say it's February twenty third is when the semifinals start. You know, it, it, now I'm going to speak about myself. I am personally, I think the, the state championships should, should be at the Colonial Life Arena. I mean, that's I grew up when it was at the Carolina Coliseum. There were some great matchups at the Colonial Life Arena. Well, we don't have that right now. We've got the Florence Civic Center. Florence Civic Center. Now we're going to have the semifinals and finals. It's it's going to be you know very interesting. You know, the, the people that are against it, they're only going to probably be against it because they may not be playing in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once if you get there and you're able to play in it, you're going to be happy to, to be there. But we're going to see how it is. I'll give uh, Commissioner Singleton at the high school league credit for wanting to try something different. He wants to make this a destination. He wants to make it, you know, something that's uh, really exciting for bas- high school basketball. Uh, so we're going, we're going to give it a whirl this year and, and see how it goes. You wonder about, I mean, folks traveling from the upstate down to Florence for for basketball. I mean, football is one thing because you know football is an all day sort of thing. Basketball maybe not, but uh, they concerned at all that uh, folks in the Upstate won't want to drive you know down to the PD for semifinals and then come back for finals. Well, no, I mean that's a legitimate concern, and I think that's something you know. I've one of my concerns would be what if Dorman and Malden play for the five A Upper State Championship or mm-hmm. some somebody like that. Yeah, that means they're going to drive to all the way to Florence for that. I, I mean, I, once again, it's done. We can't change it now. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna try to embrace it as much as we can. Um, I'm sure a lot of schools out there would love to have that problem of having to drive all the way from you know, the far corners of the state to play in Florence. But, no, those are those are certainly fair criticisms. And, you know, the, the high school league's giving it a try, and we're going to see we're gonna see how it works this year. All right, last thing, what's your uh, go-to game Friday night? If you had to go pick a game somewhere, where are you going? Man, there, there's a lot of there, – there, there's a lot of really good games going on. I, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're putting on the spot with some, with some good ones there. Now, I think uh, – AC Flora and, 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 and I believe it's AC Flora and, and Westwood are going to play a really good game mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, you got, you know, South Sides at Wren High School. That's a, that's a really good game. You know, Boiling Springs is at Dorman High School. I mean, to try to spread around throughout the state, that's a good one. I'll tell you one that's really a team that's playing well right now. A lot of people don't know about St. James out at the beach. They're 17 and one on the season. Conway's going there. Uh, you know, Greenville four is is going to Greenville, who's fifteen and three on the year. I mean, that's always a, a, a that should be a really good game. There's a lot of really good games this Friday night, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what we got. 
You are correct, and it only builds here. The tension and the pressure builds as we head towards the postseason. Teams right now trying to clinch championships, clinch those playoff spots. We'll be there every step along the way with you. And, of course, we thank you, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Have a great weekend. Hey, thank you. Y'all, too. Y'all take care. Great having you with us. Coach John Combs, hooping and hollering with us here on Sports Talk on this Wednesday night. Appreciate what he's doing. And glad to have him with us to help us talk about high school basketball in our state. You know what's coming back to Sports Talk here real soon. In fact, we might do a little dose of it on Friday night with college baseball practice beginning across the country. How about a little, just a bit outside? Ooh, can't wait. With Jim Toman. Jim Toman. Yes, Jim Toman coming back to Sports Talk with his segment during baseball season. And we'll be back. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
Okay, welcome back, everybody. Thanks to Coach John Combs for being with us last night. Huge win for South Carolina over Kentucky. A win to be cherished. Basketball around here, you get a win over a blue blood. You don't take it for granted. You put your arms around it. You cherish it. You remember it. You try to grow from it, thrive from it, build from it. Lamont Paris, USC's basketball coach, now 2-0 and against Kentucky, his first ever win over a top 25 team. Here's what he sounded like after the game. What a fun game, huh, uh, for the old Gamecocks. So I thought it was uh, – I thought the guys did a great job, had unbelievable energy. Um, I thought multiple times at during the game we fed off of the crowd, which was spectacular. They tell me it was a record number of students that were here, and we had a sellout. So um, there were multiple times that our guys fed off of that. We made – all it took was one good play, and then they got – energized and juiced by the crowd and so um that was awesome i was thankful for that um but uh but yeah we went out and we defended at such a high level i couldn't be any uh happier and prouder of what we did on the defensive side of the ball and honestly that's what all of our uh timeouts were about was what we were doing defensively offensively you know, honestly, we keep it pretty simple offensively. They know what to do. They know who they are. I call some plays here and there, but mainly they just go hoop on the offensive end. But defensively, we needed reminders, I think, to just to keep to just keep at it. And boy, what a job they did uh, for the whole game defensively against a team that clearly is a talented offensive group. So uh, big time win for our guys. Big time win for our program. Uh, for our institution, for our uh, city, and for our state, too, and, and the guys and their families. So, David, on the left. Lamont, not just tonight, but really the past two games, you guys have gone right at opponents in the post, despite maybe not being the biggest team in the league. Just yeah. what led to that philosophy, and, and what are you seeing that's working there? Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've been an inside-out guy. I mean, I think – Everybody will talk about the fact that I like threes. I mean, we've had some games where we shot 26 threes and <clears throat> didn't make a whole bunch of them. But uh, I like the I like it to start on the inside, honestly, and and then it sends a message, I think. And um, I've just have always been that way. Uh, but but I thought there were a couple uh, matchups that we could take advantage of. I thought if we, Josh in particularly, I thought if they threw uh, a big Z in the game that we would try to sub in and, and, and you know, have Josh lay his mass against, uh, against his body and see how that turned out. And Josh did some good things. He, he, he caught the ball and pivoted, which is, seems as basic as it is. But, it, but when you're in that moment and you got a guy out there and to catch it and pivot and make a strong move, was he did a really good job of that. So we, we obviously got some real good minutes from Josh. But um, even BJ, we got BJ down there, Colin. I just I like to be aggressive around the basket if we can. And then I think that opens up things uh, on the perimeter uh, as well. All right, some comments from... Lamont Paris, South Carolina, and he obviously uh, made some great decisions, as you heard right there, made some great decisions. 
in running his team last night and operating uh, his team against uh, Kentucky in that game last night. Uh, decisions on uh, who to play, when and where, and and the way they ran their defense. So, excellent coaching job by the entire Gamecock staff. John Calipari, obviously, his people don't feel so good about him today after losing as a big favorite in Columbia as a number six ranked team in the country to the Gamecocks. Here's some of what he had to say after the loss. South Carolina really played a physical, physical game and and we're a little bit too much for us. Uh, bumping drivers and strong on the post and really physical. That's, I guess people will watch that tape and say that's how you got to play them. So we got to protect ourselves somehow. Well, we drove it and we weren't physical enough to hold our ground and we end up, we missed six layups. Six layups. And then we go two for ten from the three where we had some threes and guys were like slowly trying to get them off and South Carolina was bum rushing us. They did a great job. They came in knowing what they were going to do to us physically. All these young kids, you know, you guys going to let a 19-year-old, you know, one of those. And they, they played that way. Played good. Uh, you just talked about the struggles converting at the rim. How much was that you guys not converting versus Carolina doing a good job contesting? I'll say it again. You get bumped and you shoot the ball like that, you're not making layups. Or how about this one? You have one and you go like this because you're trying to avoid it and you shoot it that way and miss. Versus I'm going through this contact and I'm either getting fouled or making it. Um, we, we didn't get the ball moving. I was in every huddle saying the same thing, move the ball. And I was saying here it's, it's a call that we have where the ball goes from one side to the other, but we wouldn't even throw it up the court. We're the best team at getting it in and throwing it ahead. And if the guy is being guarded, he comes back and catches it because we are throwing it ahead. We didn't do it the whole game. We're in there every huddle talking. It's a great lesson for us. It's a great lesson for a young team. Uh, stat broadcast here says there's less than 60 possessions for you guys in this game. Did the tempo being a lot slower than maybe what you're accustomed to have any effect on how your offense flowed? Yeah, it did. And um, um, But we rolled into, instead of us playing how we play, again, we weren't we, – we played a game this year. We had 40 possessions of one or no passes. Now, we lost that game. So I'll go back and look at this. There were a lot of stuff that we were just saying, let's go pick and roll. And they were physical. So now when you went into a pick and roll, the guard came up and jammed you a little bit, and the big would do his thing, and, and they, they mucked up the game that way. All right, comments of Calipari after that loss last night to the Gamecocks. Hey, Kentucky will be fine. Got too much talent. Cry me a river about the youth of your team. I hate when these coaches who get the great players complain about that. We'll be back. So they're playing the first round of the Farmers Insurance Open today. They want to get the tournament in before Sunday so they don't run into the uh, NFL championship games. Kevin, you, 
64 is 8 under. Patrick Cantlay, a 65. Ryo Hisatsune from Japan, a 65. Hideki Matsuyama, a 66. Shane Lowry, a 66. And Thomas Dietrich, a 66. Aaron Ray, a 66. And Alejandro Tusti, a 66. Of course, they're playing over uh, different courses for the first couple of rounds. Former Gamecock Matt Neesmith, a 67, so he's right there at 5-under. You got uh, Michael Block at 3-under, 69. Carson Young, 2-under, 70. Andrew Novak, a 71. Ben Martin, plus 170. And there you go with the locals in that event. We'll keep a watch on that through the week. All right, more basketball. Big one. We had the big one last night in Columbia, USC-Kentucky. Tomorrow night, the big women's game. Maybe the game that everybody's been waiting on all season long. The defending national champions, LSU, taking on the top-ranked, undefeated USC women down in Baton Rouge. And we are very pleased to welcome back to Sports Talk, a former sports writer here in our state who is back down in his home state of Louisiana, writing for the Lafayette Daily Advertiser, Corey Diaz who covers uh, LSU and other schools in Louisiana and was over in Baton Rouge today to cover the lead-up events. And welcome in, Corey. It's great to have you with us once again. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. How you been? We're doing great, sir. We're doing great. How are things back home for you? Man, we're uh, we're getting we're getting drenched with some rain right now. So hopefully, uh, you know, by the time tomorrow, uh, things will be sort of cleared out. You know, LSU's, they're putting on a – <clears throat> what they're calling a party on the plaza starting at three o'clock and, and, uh, you know, fans and supporters can come out. They're going to have, you know, it's almost kind of like a carnival, you know, carnival esque type deal or give away some prizes, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, obviously just to drum up some excitement before the game was started at seven. And obviously ESPN is going to be in the building tomorrow with college game day, you know, leading up to the game that, that hour before. So, um, so hopefully this rain will get out of here, man. Well, good thing is it'll be dry indoors, my friend. You'll be you'll be just fine. Um, what's the mood? You were there for Kim Mulkey's press conference today and her players, and what seems to be their mood, their attitude, their confidence level going into this? What about the respect level between the two coaches and all that? What did you take away from the press conference today? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Kim and the teams, uh, you know, I guess, mood leading up to this. You know, I think they're – look, I think they're relaxed. And if you think about it, Phil, right, I mean, why wouldn't they be? I mean, really, for them, they're playing with house money, right? Um, you know, no one's beaten South Carolina this year yet, um, and not many expect LSU, you know, to win the game tomorrow night, even in their own building with a with a sold-out Rockets crowd and um, – you know, they, I mean, they're pretty relaxed about it. You know, I think um, <clears throat> it's going to be a little different vibe, you know, than last year going into that game on Super Bowl Sunday when it was a one versus two, you know, matchup and both teams were undefeated. You know, and I know Dawn was asked today in her in her availability about you know which team uh, should have more pressure, and 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 I think she said that you know there's probably some pressure on both sides. And while I do agree with her on that. Um, you know, I gotta think South Carolina's probably feeling a little more pressure going into tomorrow night. Um, and you know, it's just in terms of the respect level, man. I mean, um, 
you know, I don't know if there's, you know, two programs in the league right now that are, um, you know, that deserve as much respect as, as they've gotten it than these two. Um, you know, obviously they they both accomplished a lot on the floor, not only this season, but last season and the season before. And, um, you know, really ever since Kim took over, you know, before the 2021-2022 season. So, um, you know, I, I know her and her and Dawn have, have some respect for one another. And, and um, I know Kim is, you know, she said it before last year's game, you know, what Dawn and South Carolina has accomplished in her time is kind of what her program is chasing at LSU. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of respect, I believe, on, on both ends before we uh, get into this game tomorrow night. Visiting with Corey Diaz from down in Louisiana. What about the matchups? I mean, they both have marquee players. How about the matchups from uh, LSU standpoint against the South Carolina starting group and folks coming off the bench? Uh, where do you see LSU – matching up the best with South Carolina? <laughs> you know, that's um, that's a really good question, Phil, because, <clears throat> you know, I, I think when LSU has the ball going up against South Carolina, um, I you know, I lean toward maybe uh, Anissa over Chloe uh, in that matchup. Uh, and they're both, you know, obviously super long, super athletic. Um, I think I think I have a feeling we're going to see something out of Anissa Morrow tonight or tomorrow night that you know we haven't really seen so far this year in terms of a of an energy level and a and kind of a you know can't be denied will um, just because you know at DePaul last year and the year before she she was the team's best player and and was a double double machine and and was fourth in the country in scoring last year at DePaul and and coming here you know she's you know, in lots of games, she's played fourth fiddle, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think I think Anissa's going to come into the game tomorrow night feeling like there's there's a lot that she needs to prove. Um, you know, with Angel, man, I, I think she's going to be tasked with trying to guard Camilla. That's going to be tough for her. I mean, she struggled with that last year up in South Carolina, and I don't really have, – I haven't really seen anything out of her defensively that would uh, make me believe that – it's going to be a better matchup for her this year. Uh, I think Haley's going to struggle to guard Raven, uh, to be perfectly honest. Haley's kind of struggled some uh, on the defensive end of the floor this year. Um, you know, now she had a really good game offensively against Arkansas on Sunday. Uh, I know Kim and her staff, they're hoping that they can parlay that into another really good performance from HVL, you know, against South Carolina. Um and I'm really intrigued to see what the what the freshman sensation Michaela Williams is going to be able to do. I, I, I my gut tells me that Dawn's probably going to have Bree guard her, um, and so I, I'm really interested to see just kind of how you know Michaela handles you know this this first really big game environment. Um, you know she's played in a lot of big games. She's won multiple state championships in high school and what have you out of Bossier City, but just. Um, what she's going to see when she walks into the building tomorrow night is it's going to be the first time she's ever seen something like that. And you can probably say the same for Malaysia full Wiley as well. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see what these sensational freshmen on both sides, uh, how they're just going to handle and respond to the environment and the atmosphere tomorrow. How well do you think LSU will handle South Carolina's defense? South Carolina turns people over a lot. They turn that into fast break points, points off turnovers, number one, and then, of course, number two, 
Cordosa in the paint, South Carolina in the paint. You mentioned uh, Chloe Kitts and just South Carolina's size in there and their ability to just wear you down in the paint and uh, shoot over you. Uh, how do they counter that, LSU? Yeah, you know, that's um, – <laughs> you know, I guess they don't pay me enough money to figure that out because uh, I'm, I'm still not really sure how they're going to uh, combat that. But I, I think – you know, Sunday against Arkansas, I think what we saw from LSU offensively in the first half, which was a lot of drive and, and kicking out to the perimeter, I, if if I had to guess, Phil, I think we'll see Kim try to get, you know, her ladies doing offensively um, early to, to see if it can work. You know, I, I look, I mean, you have to try to get inside and you have to try to get Camilla in foul trouble. You know, I think that probably for LSU has to be priority number one. You know, they may try to force some things inside to Angel Reese early tomorrow night and see if Angel can, you know, draw some fouls just to try to see if Camilla can get into foul trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's probably where they'll go, but I I can see, you know, Flajay Johnson, Haley Van Lith, and Michaela Williams. I can see them in a, whether it be a pick and roll situation or, uh, you know, just kind of a, you know, an off-ball screen situation, cutting to the basket and, and maybe not necessarily looking for a shot as they're driving, but maybe try to kick out. A, you know, if, if Michaela Williams is open, man, for three, she's proven so far this year, she's probably not quite hitting like Sahina Pow Pow is right now, but uh, she does have a very lethal, you know, right hand to knock a three down when she's open. So, um, you know, that, to me, I think that's where LSU will try to combat South Carolina's defense to start with. Um, now, you know, LSU likes to push in transition as well. I think I think when South Carolina has the ball, when they miss, I think LSU, because they, they've struggled so much in the half-court defense, I think LSU's going to try to push the ball up the floor every, after every single South Carolina miss. So I don't think they want to, you know, allow Camilla and Chloe and, and um, you know, Bree and Tahina and everybody else to go down there and get set defensively. I think they want to try to combat that with just, you know, pushing the tempo as quickly as possible. So, I mean, LSU just won a national championship. They have, what, the highest paid women's coach in the country or one of the highest right there at the very top. So, I mean, they should not feel inferior to South Carolina in any way. But I'm wondering about the the fans and the atmosphere there uh, tomorrow night. Are they approaching this sort of like the biggest ever home women's basketball game? For the for the program, uh, or because they won a national championship last year and had to win some big games at home last year, you know, nothing trumps what they did last year. Yeah, so I, you know, from everything that I've that I've seen, heard, felt around, you know, social media and um, just around the pro. Look, man, I, I think this is probably the biggest home game, you know, for the women's basketball program. Um, and I think, you know, the, the fans have, have kind of let it known, you know, they, <clears throat> you know, every year since, you know, Kim's taken over at LSU, you know, this game has been the one that's been circled every, all three seasons, you know, this game has been circled, you know, ever since the, you know, schedule was released, you know, back in August, mm-hmm. you know, like this was, this is the game that everybody's been waiting for. And obviously they knew, you know, they played up in South Carolina last year. They knew the game was going to be in Baton Rouge, you know, this year. So uh, this game, I mean, they've been talking about it. You know, I've done radio hits, you know, back in September before the season had even started, Mm -hmm. you know, and getting questions about LSU-South Carolina playing each other. So, I mean, 
from the from the local media down here, from uh, you know the fans and supporters of, of not only the LSU athletic program but the women's basketball program more specifically. Um, you know, there's going to be so many people in that building tomorrow night. Um, you know, they're doing a whiteout, so it's going to be <laughs> you know it, you know it's one of those deals that they put on you know and. And uh, just something to, to – I don't even know why they feel like they had to try to drum up any more excitement than what this game uh, already kind of, kind of brings for it. So, um, But, yeah, man, it's, I, think they, I think they feel like this is the biggest game um, for the LSU women's basketball program that they've had there. And, um, you know, and I think you'll see, you know, the crowd inside the PMAC. I think, you know, if LSU goes on a little run or something or, you know, if there's a big block or what have you, like, I, you know, I think the LSU fans are going to let the South Carolina players know it. Hmm. Well, here's a big question for you. Are you ready to uh, host and wine and dine the South Carolina media that's coming to town? Yeah, I'm ready for all you guys. I, I hope you're coming too. Uh, that would be, be good to see you, my friend. Uh, yeah, I, I know – Several people's already reached out, uh, you know, and for me personally, that that adds a, a ton of excitement, you know, around this game. I'm I'm happy I get to spend another game game day, spend another afternoon, spend another evening with some of my really good friends from South Carolina. So um, I'm super excited. Can't wait for everybody to get back down here. Well, listen, you guys have a great time. Appreciate you being with us. You do great work. We'll tell people to follow you who want to get a, another perspective on the game. And it's uh, at by by Corey C O R Y Diaz D I A Z on X at by Corey Diaz on X. You can follow Corey right there. And we thank you again for being with us. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate you, brother. You too, man. All right, Corey Diaz from uh, the Lafayette Advertiser in uh, Louisiana. Appreciate him being with us and giving us his take on everything happening down in Louisiana about this basketball game tomorrow night that will tip off at 8 o'clock. Okay, time to get to the uh, recruiting report tonight. Here on Sports Talk, it is brought to you by Seawells. I saw Cal and Corey Sewell last night going into the basketball game, and uh, they were telling me that uh, they, uh, of course, they love Sports Talk, and they love when we talk about Seawells. And they are closed on Friday. they got a huge event on Friday. So no lunch on Friday. Last, last chance to get lunch. Lunch and buffet is tomorrow at Seawells. But it is a roast beef Friday tomorrow at Seawells. So make sure you get over there for that. It's only $14. Man, you can't get a buffet anywhere for $14, especially one as good as this. And if you have something coming up here in 2024 for the best in the catering business, you just want to give Seawells a phone call, 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So Clemson got a commitment this morning from defensive end Ari Watford, 6'6", 235, Norfolk, Virginia. Recruiting analysts have tabbed Watford as the number one prospect in Virginia in the 2025 class and the number one edge rusher in the country. Watford plans to visit Clemson this Saturday for their junior day. He also visited last April and was back for a session of the Dabo Sweeney camp last June. He had previously listed a top six of Clemson, USC, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Penn State, and Syracuse. He gives Clemson eight commitments for the 2025 class. So significant recruiting 
pickup there for Clemson. Meantime, the Tigers are going to have a bunch of offensive line prospects in for their junior day Saturday. One of them is Jalen Beckley of Longview, Texas. And along with Clemson, he's got Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee. Clemson offered last summer. Going to be visiting again on Saturday, as I mentioned. He's excited about visiting the Clemson campus for the first time. And, of course, he started off being recruited by Thomas Austin. Now Matt Luke has picked it up, and that's gone smoothly for him, that transition from one coach to another. Uh, he said that he does want to get to the campus and see the campus, see what it's all about, and meet uh, Coach Luke in person. And so uh, Clemson's got themselves in pretty good shape with Beckley, and they've done some good things in the state of Texas in recruiting, so they're no stranger out there. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma – Kansas, LSU, Texas A&M, and Duke and Baylor have also been involved with him. Clemson today offered offensive tackle Mason Short of Evans, Georgia. If my memory serves me right, I think he was formerly committed to Alabama. He's one of those defectors from Alabama after the uh, retirement of Nick Saban. USC offered 2026 offensive tackle Anthony Baxter, 6'3", 335, from South Point. Clemson coaches today visited another prospect, offensive lineman coming in Saturday, Mal Waldrip out of Phoenix City, Alabama. Phoenix City's been good to Clemson over the years. They're hoping to nab this one. Clemson target defensive end Isaiah Gibson of Warner Robins, Georgia, was offered by Ohio State. So Ohio State getting involved there. Rock Hill wide receiver Malik Clark was offered by North Carolina, and 2026 safety Jazavian Currents of South Point was offered by Oregon. All right, there you go. That's the recruiting report for tonight here on Sports Talk, and it is brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells. Okay? And we are down to the last six or seven minutes of the program tonight, so we got time to squeeze in another quick phone call. If you'd like to join us, 888-898-2525 is the phone number. And uh, let's update some other basketball tonight. Got a number of games going on, SEC, ACC in the state. We'll update this for you. Georgia is leading LSU 44-41. They're playing that game in Athens, 13-42 to play. At the half, boy, Virginia, they're playing Virginia basketball, which means they're tightening up the defense. Virginia leading NC State 27-15 to at the half. They are really playing some D. Uh, let's see what NC State is shooting here in the first half. Must not be shooting real well. Yeah, they're shooting a very cold 25%. They are 6 of 24 from the floor. And 0 for 3 from 3. Uh, so good defense being played there by Virginia. At the half, Miami is leading Notre Dame 37-29. At halftime, high point over Upstate 40-31. to At halftime, Winthrop cruising over Charleston Southern 41-21. At the half, UT Chattanooga 43, Wofford 30. At the half, Furman leading Samford 34-25 at the half. Mercer on top of the Citadel 35-21 at the half. Southern Miss 
leading Coastal Carolina 44-26. Woo! Not a good start there for uh, Coastal Carolina. And they're underway. Arkansas and uh, make that Auburn and Alabama. Auburn and Alabama underway. And it's Auburn leading Alabama 6-0 early on. Mississippi State and Florida still coming up. And Arkansas Ole Miss still coming up as well. And that is that for the games in the state and the games around uh, the area of the ACC and the SEC. All right, a few final notes for you here. Uh, Or we can take a phone call very quickly, Pat. If we can just uh, grab that line, we'll go ahead and bring the caller up on the board here uh, momentarily. And that is Bobby and Casey. Okay, Bobby, uh, thanks for moving in quickly. How are you? Welcome into Sports Talk. Yeah, Phil, bringing up Jim Harbaugh on ESPN.com, the college football page. So we're trying to make him the highest-paid college coach at Michigan. But there is one quick comment i got to make that Colin Cowherd on another station talks about quite often, that he will possibly not be able to work with the Spanos children. Now, you mentioned very early in the show that that there's an agreement for him to be the GM, but if you listen to that show, he kind of lives out on the West Coast in the Los Angeles area, and he meant that he might have been able more to work with Mark Davis with the Raiders instead of the Spanos children who would want to make the GM moves and just let them head coach. Mm. So if it's done a done deal, I guess we'll see how long it would last in Los Angeles. Would it be something like San Francisco? Would it finally be over with? Yeah. Don't know. Well, it's a done deal. Anyway, By all accounts, this thing is happening. And it sounds yeah. like uh, the uh, people are talking about um, his assistant replacing him at Michigan, the coach who, <coughs> excuse me, the coach who stepped in for him during his multiple suspensions. So it sounds like Michigan might have a, a plan in place to replace Harbaugh without having to go look uh, outside you know, their own locker room. So they, they feel very good about – who's that Coach Morris, I believe is his name? I think they feel very good about him uh, stepping in to be the guy there. But, you know, Harbaugh, um, yeah, he's a different personality. I mean, obviously I don't know him at all. I've only been around him once, or maybe it was twice, pre, pre-game press conference – and then the post-game press conference, that time Michigan played South Carolina. And I thought he was a little bit of a different bird then, just the way he answered questions and and dealt with the, the media from Michigan. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so, yeah, he kind of marches to his own drumbeat. You know what I mean? All right, I think he's gone. He does march to his the sound of a, of a different drumbeat. I think so. All right, thank you for the phone call. We appreciate that. <coughs> and sorry, trying to get through here at the very end of a of a head cold for me, so trying to uh, hold it together here in the final minutes. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, if all goes well, Mike Morgan will be with us, though Morgan is also dealing with uh, a head cold. Talked to him this afternoon, and he was fighting it. So hopefully he'll be able to join us tomorrow night. We'll get to uh, Mark Kingston tomorrow night, USC baseball coach. (coughs) As he met with us today, didn't get a chance to get to that tonight. We'll get to that uh, tomorrow night. And um, also tomorrow night, of course, uh, we will have uh, with us um, plenty of other good stuff, Uh, plenty of your phone calls. We'll update recruiting uh, once again. 
And Ben Portnoy, Ben Portnoy will drop by with the Port Authority, trying to get everything uh, out there that I can remember. So, looking forward to a big Thursday night here on Sports Talk. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on, uh, well, that South Carolina women's game won't tip until we're off the air. So, But we can talk about that leading up to it. So that'll do it. Uh, thank you for being with us tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Have yourselves a great night. Thank you, Pat. And thank you, everybody, for being with us. And we'll see you tomorrow night right here on Sports Talk. <laughs>